When Gabe Woodruff, a student in Cedarville's Master of Science in Nursing, Family Nurse Practitioner Program, got the call to serve his country, he didn't hesitate. As a first lieutenant in the U.S. Army Reserves, he went with his medical unit to care for COVID-19 patients in downtown Detroit when the pandemic was at its worst this spring. Throughout this unique time, Gabe has learned that God's plans are better than his own, and he has developed a deeper appreciation for God's sovereignty, especially in times of tremendous upheaval. Listen as Gabe shares about trusting God. The coronavirus pandemic has been a significant news story in our world for several months. On past Cedarville Stories podcast, I've talked with several Cedarville University students or graduates who have served on the front lines during the pandemic. And today's guest, Gabe Woodruff, is another person who adjusted his personal schedule to go to a different part of the country to care for COVID-19 patients. We'll learn more about Gabe's story in a few minutes on the podcast, but for starters, Gabe Woodruff is married and lives in a suburb of Indianapolis, Indiana, and he works as a nurse at the Franciscan Health Center in Lafayette, Indiana. Gabe did not earn his undergraduate degree from Cedarville, but he is pursuing a graduate degree in Cedarville's Family Nurse Practitioner Program. Gabe, welcome to the podcast. I'm looking forward to hearing your story today. Mark, it's an honor. Thank you. It's great to hear you and hear from you. As I said uh, before we went online, that I've heard great things about you from Dr. Cliff Fawcett. So it's an honor to spend uh, this time with you. Just for uh, background purposes and, and starters, so our listeners get a better understanding of who Gabe is, when did your interest in nursing become a reality for you? Because it seems, I don't want to be stereotypical, but many people think nursing is a female position. It doesn't have to be, and it's definitely not. So where did your interest in nursing come from? Sure, Mark. Uh, it's a great question. So my interest in nursing is pretty pretty vivid. Um, back in high school, my father, he had a heart attack. And mm. um, as a you know, young high schooler, you know, my dad, I looked at him as a hero, you know, I still do. But with him being in the hospital, yeah. I started developing an understanding of what it meant to uh, serve in the capacity as a nurse. I started talking with the nurses there, seeing yeah. how they interacted with my family, you know, going through a tough time and talking with other nurses, you know, some have a, a familiar story, just like mine, where, you know, they went through a trial and, and God led them, uh, put a passion in, in them. Um, to do the same, to, to help, you know, how they were helped. And that's kind of how um, I, I got that started. Uh, I really took an interest to cardiology. Um, that's what my first position as a nurse was, uh, just kind of looking at the anatomy of the heart and understanding all the different things that can happen um, with, with the heart. And so that's one of my passions. And I think it all stemmed from, you know, when my dad was hospitalized with his heart attack and mm -hmm. uh, it, it grew from there. I got to know the cardiologist who worked with him. And a matter of fact, in my first position, I was at I was hired at the hospital that he was at um, really? probably eight or 10. Yes. Yes. Probably, you know, I think it was maybe eight or 10 years prior and yeah. uh, took care of some of the patients that that same cardiologist uh, uh, took care of. So it was great kind of full circle um, there. But understanding not only the medical aspect, the ability to serve people, the ability to take care of people, um, the ability to help them in, in their hour of need, and then also just to really uh, put the icing on the cake. There's so much flexibility with nursing. 
um, are full time. It's three days a week mm-hmm. and 12 hour shifts and they can be long and they can be tough, but yeah. um, I, I do enjoy that flexibility of having those off days, the, all the specialties you, um, you can think of the interests uh, from school nursing to the hospital nursing, you know, from um, med surge to critical care, it, it, you know, you can kind of really specialize in, in what you like. Sure. So when did you first start being a nurse? What year did you become become a nurse, actually? 2017. Okay, so you're only in it in maybe two and a half, three years uh, as a profession. About three years, yes, sir. What was it like? You mentioned that you, your first job was at the hospital where your dad had his heart attack. Were there um, doctors and nurses there who maybe even cared for your dad that you worked with? Yes, sir. So the same doctor who is his cardiologist and still is his cardiologist, I worked with uh, him. And then, you know, the nurses had turnover and and I didn't have uh, all the same nurses there, Um, nor did I necessarily remember all the nurses who who, who took care of us, you know, that many years ago. But a great it was a great staff. And um, I enjoyed, you know, uh, reconnecting with that cardiologist and, you know, working with him. Yeah. What was his thoughts? Because I'm I, I would think he probably didn't remember you or maybe your dad because right. it's been a while. But once he was uh, reminded of the situation, what was his thoughts when the patient's son is now a nurse working with him? <laughs> You're right. At first, he didn't remember. Um, but, I, you know, I told him, hey, this is my dad. Uh, this is what happened. What happened is we, we were able to sit down and have a conversation. Um, you know, I took a picture with him, sent it to the family, you know, and it was just a great time just, just because um, I think he felt that he had a small impact in my life to lead yeah. uh, me to this place. You know, of course, uh, ultimately, uh, you know, I wanted to to pursue that career um, after m- much prayer and where I believed God was leading me. Yeah. But it was a great time to be able to uh, see this doctor and and even work alongside him. So we kind of built a rapport together. Yeah. You talk about an impact the doctor had on your life. When I think of the ultimate impact, I, I think of Jesus and and what he has done for all of us. As I think of you specifically, I know you have a deep faith in Jesus. Can you walk us through your spiritual journey? Absolutely, Mark. I, I do. Um, I do have a deep faith in Christ. Um, and it started young. I, I'm just so thankful for the family um, God gave me. My grandfather, he graduated from uh, Grace Seminary, and about 45 years ago, he came in to Indianapolis from Ohio, uh-huh. and he uh, started a church where he pastored for 40 years, um, and then my father took over from him, for him. So I've grown up in my church. I've grown up in a family that taught the Bible and yeah tried to imitate Christ as best as possible. And so when I was about 12 years old, I, I came to a, uh, a saving knowledge of faith in Jesus Christ um, and him and him alone, uh, just by faith. And yeah. I, I asked him, you know, um, to take over my life. And ever since then, I've wanted to pursue a relationship with him. And it's, it's definitely uh, been the greatest decision I've ever made and uh, all through high school and, and my undergrad, uh, I tried to, to glorify the Lord, you know, and, and whatever I did coming from a family where I had a grandfather who is a great man, uh, but was a pastor for so long. And I kind of grew up in, 
uh, you know, listening to him each Sunday. And now my dad is, is the pastor. I, uh, you know, was always asked, Oh, are you going into seminary? Are you going to, to be a pastor? You know, do you want to take over later? And I just didn't ever, you know, I've yet to have that specific call, but right. I still, you know, the Lord, he uses each of his, his children in the world to be an impact in that area, wherever they are. And so right. whether it's the military uh, or nursing or the nursing field, I've been able to take the characteristics within that job, within those, the, the, those job descriptions and try to uh, exploit it for the, for the Lord and, and really reach people where I might not have had the opportunity to uh, beforehand. So the Lord's been a huge instrument in my life. I'm so thankful. You know, he opened my eyes to see. I'm thankful for a university like Cedarville to be able to come and study under a worldview that is infused within the curriculum, even in a, even in a nursing uh, setting. So I truly thank him for that. That's good. Good point. And, you know, just because you're not in the pulpit every Sunday or, or a pastor, so to speak, he's still, like you said, using you, he uses everyone who's his mm-hmm. child in their respective way and vocation to share the truth of the gospel. So you're just doing it through medicine. So as a nurse, how have you seen the Lord teach you more about himself, whether that's while you're working, dealing with patients? How have you seen him teach you more about himself through your work? I would say, Mark, that I've seen the Lord teach me about himself and the way that he um, approaches those who are hurting. Uh, I think that it's it's kind of funny. In the FNP program, as I'm changing my mindset from, from kind of um, a floor nurse to a practitioner, you kind of encourage your patient population to come and see primary care, go to their family practice in order to prevent problems from happening. You right. want to prevent chronic illnesses. You know, I want to have a have an appointment with with a patient that is a good one. You know, where where all these things aren't necessarily wrong, and we can say, "Hey, you're doing great. I'll see you next time." But a lot mm-hmm. of times, the the feeling is, if I'm not sick, if I'm not hurting, I don't need to go to the doctor. And so that is very very prevalent in the hospital, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not in the hospital, it's a great thing. If you're in the hospital, something's wrong. And so the reason I explain that is because all the people I interact with, they have something going on. They have, they have hurting family members. They're hurting themselves. And it's just reminded me that every opportunity I have, I can be the hands and feet of Christ to them because ultimately that's a small picture of who Jesus is to us. And it's just a way that he cares for us in our in our most um, you know dire times. Right. Uh, not everything we go through in life is uh, certainly uh, not easy. Not everything is going to go the way we believe it should go and the way we plan it to be. Uh, and there are times when we may even question you know where the Lord is in our life because of the situations that are around us. Right. But it's in those moments where we can truly run to Him and know that He will care for us and He will. Um, help us, uh, and he will love us. You uh, paint a good word picture of of the parallel between our daily life and the mess that we experience, or the difficulties we experience, and that we need some help. And that's parlayed to what Jesus has done for us. 
and, and will do for anyone who just asks. So that's a great word picture. I want to transition from, you know, our conversation here as a nurse in Lafayette, because I also believe that you're a member of the Army Reserves in Indiana. And as a result of your role there, you took a trip with the reserve to Detroit. You were deployed to Detroit during the COVID-19 pandemic, when probably when Detroit was a hotspot. Uh, can you relive your experience of when you were notified of your deployment to Detroit? Absolutely. Man, oh man. Um, so I have been in the Army Reserves, Mark. I'm a first lieutenant in the, in the Army Reserves as a registered nurse. I've been right. in the Army about eight years. And I've done many trainings throughout the country and have had a, I've had a wonderful time serving in the reserve capacity. But just with with COVID, with everything going on a couple months ago, late March, actually, uh, my unit, which is a medical unit, it's, it's a combat support hospital. So our, our role really is what the what the name uh, describes. You know, we set up a hospital in a combat zone or just prior to one so that we can expedite patients or soldiers from the from the front lines back to us and care for them. That's what mainly that's that's mainly what our training is, is on on and we have a great group of, of doctors, nurses, uh, nurse practitioners, uh, physician assistants, medics who, who I work with each month. But on March 24th of this year, we got an email saying that, you know, there was some orders coming down uh, for the unit with an emergency order. And we weren't sure exactly what was going to happen. Uh, we, we weren't sure who was going. They just said, kind of be vigilant, be ready. and. At this time, I was in my semester with, with Cedarville doing my family nurse practitioner studies. And two days later, on March 26th, around four o'clock, I got a I got an email that said, you know, emergency orders uh, report tomorrow, Friday uh, at noon. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> this is four o'clock. And my, of course, my name was on the roster and it was just a shock. It was just a complete shock. You know, usually when when a unit gets deployed, um, you have months to prepare, and you know how long and where you're going. Right. With this, it was just so unknown, and so we didn't know the mission. We thought, you know, we were maybe on the west coast, definitely going to set up a field hospital somewhere in the country to help right. with the, the pandemic. Right. So that's kind of you know, how that started. My wife and I, we told family and they came over, they prayed with us that night. We got my gear all ready. And that next morning, you know, I, I tried to think of everything I could think of to get kind of our life situated, you know, everything from my, what my wife needed, you know, different um, items, different tasks that um, I would usually do that I needed to, to let her know to do or, um, you know, sharing different, different uh, passwords and doing different things that we just, needed to be uh, ready for for whatever the future held. And in 18 hours, I was in the, at the unit. She dropped me off. And mm. um, that's kind of how it started. So how long were you in Detroit? And were you downtown? Or where? what part of the city were you in? So we were downtown. We were downtown okay. Detroit. And we were at, a, at the TCF Convention Center. And that is the auto. That's usually where the International Auto Show is sure. um, held massive massive facility and we because quarantine was happening during this time we 
uh, we're able to stay at a hotel and kind of, this is, this is a very unique situation all the way around. Most of the time, the army is the one leading, uh, and, 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 you know, kind of in control of the situation because we're usually uh, overseas and, um, our mission is under whatever army division we're attached to. Sure. But this, this, you know, with the COVID, uh, 19 mission, we were under FEMA and, uh, we supported them. So okay. that was, that was pretty cool. And we worked alongside those guys down there in Detroit. So was it as bad in Detroit while you were there as we were hearing in our, in the country of it being really a hotspot? So it was a hotspot and it was pretty bad. However, due to our capabilities, we didn't necessarily see maybe the worst of the worst. What we okay. wanted to do was take the overflows from these local hospitals and kind of relieve the stress from them on all right. the patients who we could truly accept. Yeah. With the convention center, we're, we had the, the Army Corps of Engineers came out before us and set up a 1,600-bed hospital. We had 1,000 beds in the main hall. And then wow. in the basement hall, we had 600. And they basically turned it into an oxygen-capable facility. So we had copper pipes all running down to each of these makeshift patient rooms. And that is about the extent of, of our capabilities. We, we were able to have our EMS stationed nearby in case of anything happened. And then we had respiratory therapists who could, you know, ventilate if we need to, if we needed to have a ventilator uh, for, for, for patients, we had a few, but the absolute critical, critical patients were to stay at the local hospitals in the ICUs. And okay. we tried to help relieve the bottleneck. Okay, so you were dealing with, with people maybe not as serious as the very serious COVID people. So you were basically you were just relieving the hospital strain. Right. Now, we, we did have some uh, serious patients. Every patient admitted to our facility was COVID positive. They had to go through the screening process. Yeah. And we, we made sure that every, everyone we took was uh, COVID positive. So that was in an effort to allow more beds in the local hospitals if, if a particular patient was more critical than what we could handle. Yeah. How long were you in Detroit, did you say? We were there two months. Two months. So were you able to get close to any patients or do you have any story of that uh, has special meaning for you during this time? Well, I would say I got probably got closer to the people I was working with um, sure. rather than the patients. Yeah. Um, it was, it was difficult to interact. It, it still is difficult to interact, uh, even at the hospitals now, but in Detroit, we, all the patients, we were, were in what was considered a hot zone. And, and when yeah. you went into this hot zone, uh, you were completely uh, wearing your personal protective equipment right. and whether it's the gown, the, the, the mask, the goggles, the gloves, all the tape that goes with it. And so you're very kind of separated, um, difficult to kind of even show emotion with, with the patients. And so while we tried to do our best, it was certainly a, a time where the soldiers I went with, we grew closer. We had, a, yeah. we had um, times where we built camaraderie and yeah. uh, certainly developed deeper relationships um, down there, helping, helping the, the sick. Yeah. Were you involved in any anything uh, spiritual, or was there much of a spiritual interest among your colleagues who were working with you? Well, 
they know me because we've been working together for for a couple of okay. years so they know of my of of my faith in Christ sure. um but I was able to um demonstrate it we I lived with him for 2 months you know so yeah. I was able to demonstrate that daily and on our off days yeah. We, uh, I was, I'd be, you know, reading the word down in the lobby uh, of, the, of the hotel right. and um, doing my devotion, you know. So it, I was able to talk with, with a couple friends and one in particular, I was, we, we've been friends. He's a, he's a registered nurse as well here in Indianapolis. And I really, really, I was really praying for him. And he had talked to me a lot about, um, kind of his beliefs, who he thought Jesus was, who he thought the Lord was, and he, he saw me, so I was able to um, talk to him about, you know, who is Jesus? Why do I believe in Jesus? Right. Um, what does that mean for my life, for eternity? What does that mean for him? And so uh, it was certainly a great time where I, I'm still praying for him. And, you know, he, he didn't make a, uh, any any confession of faith, but certainly uh, I hope that the way I was demonstrating the love of Christ and, and just the interest in man, what's this dude reading the Bible here for, you know, um, it's not a common thing, but it's certainly a powerful thing. Um, and you know, when you plant any type of seed, um, you know, Christ, he can certainly water that in any area of life. And, um, so I I do pray for him continually, but it's certainly, uh, it was certainly great to, to not only build that relationship, but, um, talk to him about the Lord. So you've been in Detroit two months. Now it's time to head back to Indiana. So you leave Detroit, come home. But instead of running right home to see your wife, I hear you had to be quarantined for 14 days before you could see her. Is that true? So that is true. However, there is a caveat to that and a a huge praise to the Lord. So we, as I said prior, it was one of the most difficult things, the unknown of this entire mission. We um, didn't have any, our commander, actually the gen, actually our, the general of the entire U.S. Army came to visit us before we left. And the U.S. Army Reserves, General Lucky, yeah. uh, he flew in from the West Coast, came to Indianapolis and spoke to us. We were one of like 18 task forces that got, that got pushed out to different areas uh, in the country. And it was the first time this has ever been done. So there's not. He, he said it's a non-doctrinal mission. So we, as, as Christians, you know, we know, we understand the word doctrine. We understand, you know, mm-hmm. um, how our faith ties into that. The army is similar. You know, when you have a doctrine, you have something that you have a standard to, to train to, you have the rule of what it is. And so usually in all of our sites, we, we understand this is how we're going to end our training. This is how we're going to start. This is where we're going. And this is how we will leave. This whole mission was totally different. And it kind of was, um, put in place as time went. And so it was wonderful. It was historic to be part of that. Very, I'm very, you know, honored to be, to serve in that capacity, but it was totally different. So as time ended in Detroit, we didn't know we were leaving until maybe a few days before we were leaving. I, I'd say maybe a week. You okay. know, when we first got our orders, we were on orders for 400 days. That's 13 wow. months. So the, the unknown was was absolutely uh, weighing over us. It ended up getting shortened to six months. They expected us to be gone. But a month and a half, two months into it, just before two months, we got the call. Hey, guess what? We are heading out you know, next week, but we need to do a two-week quarantine. 
So we all got tested in Detroit with the COVID tests. And we thankfully, you know, praise the Lord, all 85 of us who went uh, were came back negative. Mm-hmm. But and originally we were going to be stuck in our hotels for two weeks straight. Two days into that, we got a call from Hire saying that they were going to allow us because all, all of us were, were negative. They were going to allow us to quarantine at our home of record. And we were leaving Detroit, you know, in a couple of days after that. So <laughs> I maybe did quarantine there for four days and then I, I got to come home to my wife, to my family and stay at home. And, you know, we had to quarantine in our houses, but man, right. were we thankful to be home again. Yeah. Now you may have already answered the question I, I have in my mind, but I'll ask nonetheless, and you could tell me, but of all the time that you were away in Detroit, caring for patients, sick patients, what was the greatest lesson the Lord taught you during that period of time? I would say that he has a plan for my life that even though I can't see it all the time, and even though I believe I'm, I am controlling that plan, his way is better and he's completely sovereign over it. Yeah. He's completely sovereign over my life. It, it, tie, it does tie into to what I was just saying in terms of mm-hmm. um, resting in him and uh, putting my trust in him. But there are times in our lives, Mark, I believe as Christians, when you can look back, there can be weeks and months that go by where serving the Lord and life is kind of just as we would expect it to be. And, you know, we're in our career, we're in our, our life and it's going great. But then there's moments where you look back and you say, oh, my word, Mm -hmm. can you believe how the Lord worked in that area? And this is one of those times, you know, when when we first heard of this in March, um, it's it really threw me for a loop in terms of what I was going to do if I got deployed, because I was in my clinical setting Um, as an FNP student. You need 200 hours of direct clinical care and on top of your academics. and so. I had about a month left of my school and it is difficult to get clinical <laughs> sites. I worked hard to get these clinical sites and I prayed hard and the Lord opened up the veterans affairs here in Indianapolis. Okay. Fantastic place. Yeah. And I was faithfully going to these clinicals, faithfully studying every morning, even on off days, you know, just putting in hard work and what in the world is happening. If I can't get my clinical hours, then I have to retake this whole semester. What if the VA doesn't allow me back? They've already got, you know, um, uh, slots filled for the next months. I was supposed to take summer courses. I I wasn't able to. So not only can I not finish my semester I'm in, but I've already paid for it. You know, these are things you think of as as you're going through all all the scenarios of um, getting kind of ripped up and ripped out uh, of, of your life and set in a whole new setting. And so... As time unfolded, I, I told you earlier, it was, oh man, it was uh, March 24th when we got our first email that it may happen. And then it was the 26th right. um, that I got that, that I got that call and it was, it was stressful. We, we can just pray. We, we, we just had to pray and rest in the fact that God was in control and he had our best in mind. And so uh, one of my favorite stories was. Two days later, uh, that weekend, as I had told um, Professor Fawcett and the, the administration staff for the FNP program at Cedarville, uh, what was going on, they were extremely supportive. But, you know, you can't get around policy. So right. I was going to have to probably do my redo my clinicals. And I got an email 
uh, and it's just as the just like the Lord just provided. And during due to COVID, the national uh, ACN criteria and the MSN board uh, for the nation wavered 75 of the 200 direct care clinical hours for spring. So that meant if you had 125 hours, you yeah. passed. And I had 128.5, three and a half hours, one shift I had. I had the exact days I needed for the whole semester, unbeknownst to me, but known to the Lord through that right. entire time right. that he'd give me the exact days I needed. And I don't have to redo those that clinical. And then on top of that, speaking to how the Lord provided in ways I could never have imagined due to the, the, the law of deployment in the country, Cedarville supported me in, so, in, in such a great fashion. And um, they said, hey, you're able to come back at any time and take the three weeks you had left when you get back. All the grades you had will count and you don't have to pay for, for that semester again. It's it, It'll just count towards um, oh. your three weeks when you come up. So I didn't have to pay. I didn't have the stress of, of uh, getting refunded or, or having to you know redo all these courses and find new clinical sites. Um, Yes, I did get pushed back, you know, another semester, but I believe that's all in God's timing. And um, I, I totally trust him through it. And um, it it's just a wonderful thing to look back and see, wow, look how the Lord provided through all those times that I didn't even know um, yeah. was going to happen. To your question, um, just the sovereignty of, of the Lord over your life in times yeah. you can't see yeah. through the fog. That's a wonderful story, and it's a great encouragement to me and to our listeners of just how God does provide. And uh, all throughout uh, this past school year, uh, the theme in chapel basically was God is faithful, we can trust Him. And you're you're just living proof that we can trust Him, regardless of the situation, regardless of what we see. You know, uh, He is working in His way, and it is far better to trust Him than to go on our own. So... I only have a, a minute or two left in the podcast. So I'm going to, first off, when now will you graduate? Is that December of next yeah. year? So actually it was December of this year, but now it'll be summer of 2021. Okay. okay. Yes, and I'll start back in the fall. Okay. What's your hope? You know, what motivated you to enroll in Cedarville's FNP program? And how do you want to use that degree? Oh, man. Well, first off, I love Cedarville. I started going there with summer conferences um, when they hosted high schoolers during the summer conferences they would have. And I started going there from my church and found out what Cedarville was. And I just loved it. When I got the opportunity to do my master's, um, I saw Cedarville had an FNP program. Yeah. And during high school, I spent half of my high school, the pub first half of the year at public high school. But the last three years at a Christian Christian high school. And I just loved how they imparted God's word into the curriculum. And that's what I wanted uh, in my FNP. I want to help people uh, in their times of need. I want to um, use God's word in my practice. You know, I love being able to pray with those who are, who are hurting and share my faith uh, in my career and my workplace. And so uh, my goal, I have a passion for, for chronic illness. That's why I want to be a family nurse practitioner. I want to help prevent you know, the epidemic of, of, of um, medical illnesses uh, in our country, um, you know, by healthy living and um, build relationships with people and hopefully take care of them through, life, through their lifespan. I think that's a great honor. And it's certainly something I think um, God's put in my heart. Yeah, I know from listening to you today on the podcast, 
I wouldn't mind you being my nurse. Uh, you have a great heart. For, <laughs> you have a great heart for people. Obviously, you love the Lord. Uh, those are great uh, combinations to have. So I, I applaud you, and I encourage you to keep uh, moving forward, not only with your degree, but in faithfully serving the Lord. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. So as I close uh, today's podcast, what's the Lord teaching you right now? You know, there's a lot going on in our world. As we record this, you know, we have we still have COVID-19. We have a lot of civil unrest in our country. What What's the Lord teaching you as you spend time with him? Oh, Mark, that's a great, uh, great question. Thank you. Um, right now, I've been in uh, kind of Galatians and Ephesians, and one of the biggest things um, he's been teaching me is just to completely take now that I'm home, there's that comfortability factor that I can I can start feeling where life is getting back to a, some semblance of normalcy. I don't want to lose sight that he has um, all uh, of my life planned out for me. Um, and I just want to continue to trust him. Uh, one of the biggest Psalms that I, I had uh, on my heart through this whole time was Psalm 62. There's sure. a couple of verses from that. Sure. It says, he, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Mm-hmm. On God rests my salvation and my glory. He's my mighty rock. My refuge is God. And then it says, trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for mm-hmm. us. So as I see what's going on in the world, uh, you know, what, what I went through just, just recently, I don't want to forget the feeling of, of completely, utterly trusting in, in God uh, in every aspect of my life. That's a great way to end. It's so true. Thank you for encouraging me and our listeners with Scripture. Mm-hmm. Continue serving Him with all energy and might that you have. Care for your family. And uh, as a civilian, I salute you as an Army Reserve for your service to our country, for the people that you served in Detroit. And I hope to uh, maybe meet you someday uh, when you're back on campus at Cedarville University. Thanks for joining me today, Gabe. Hey, thank you, Mark. I so appreciate it. It was an honor to talk to you. God bless you. God bless you too. Take care. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories podcast, brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory. Glory.